Hello and welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at vintage cartoons through the eyes of people way older than the intended target audience, but still captivated by these glorified toy adverts that we love so much. I'm Jason Thompson. And I am Stephen Alexander, as usual. As Hello, usual, Jason. Indeed. Hello, Steve. Ah, so we're very much into toy commercial territory with these episodes as loads of new people turn up, aren't we? So. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I, except except some of them you can't buy in the shops. And there's lots of things that turn up you can't buy in the shops. It's all a bit silly. But yes, um, this is this is going to be this is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're really into the five faces of darkness now. We are indeed in the five faces of darkness. So to, I suppose we should recap the first two episodes, which basically boil down to uh, the Autobots, Cup, Spike and Ultra Magnus have been captured by persons or persons unknown, which turned out to be the Quintessons. Uh, the Decepticons are knackered, uh, and so Cyclonus has rescued Galvatron from a lava bath on the planet Thrall, and Galvatron is intent on rebuilding the Decepticon Empire. And the Autobots have rescued Cup, Spike, and Ultra Magnus from Quintessa, but it's been blown up by the Quintessons. Yes, in a very, 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 very desperate attempt to destroy the Autobots' uh, creation matrix, a matrix of leadership. They decided to blow up their entire planet to put a stop to this kind of nonsense once and for all. They did indeed. And that's the point at which we rejoin the narrative. Uh, as the Autobots have, bizarrely, all been seen boarding Silverbolt, who we have seen flying through space, who then flies into another large spaceship, which looks a lot like Broadside. Oh, does it? Mm. But... <laughs> Evidently is not broadside because it gets caught in the explosion and blown to bits and all the Autobots yes. are thrown clear of the spaceship and drifting through space. I, I, I mean, obviously, I was really disappointed that that spaceship didn't, didn't fire into an even bigger spaceship, an even bigger spaceship and so on and so forth. Uh, think of all the toys. And there's no toy of this giant red and white plane that could have been jet far for all we know. It's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I know. It's, it's mad, it's, isn't it? It's mad. Yeah. What's particularly impressive about that sequence, though, is the speed with which Spike put on a spacesuit so that he could survive this uh, ejection into space. Yes, poor old Spike. <laughs> yes. The, um, he did very the, well there. Uh, the slightly odd thing about this is that it appears that none of the Autobots um, actually have the ability to control themselves while floating through space. Mm. And... Uh, Yes, including the aerial bots who we've just seen flying through space. Uh, yeah, and although Springer it seems only Silverbolt Silver appears to be the only one around at the moment. So, yeah. And Springer, who, you know, has a... <sighs> but never mind. So, yes, yeah, so it's um, a few Autobots plus the Quintesson Judge Deliberata that they have, uh, they've captured. Yeah. And um, they... Ultra Magnus eventually calculates that they will collide with something that's 200,000 kilometers away, but he can't tell whether it's a planet or a ship. And hmm. um, I would just like to say at this point, maybe they should just use their eyes. <laughs> um, because, and in case you think I'm being flippant and sarcastic, let me remind you that the moon is 400,000 kilometers away, and we can very clearly see what that is. If there was a planet, half the distance <laughs> it, it would yes. be pretty visible you know 
Good. Yes, I, I remember quizzing you about this before because it's something that always bugged me. Is in space you can just see, you know, you can just see over there. You know, you, there's nothing in the way. But when it gets so small and far away that you can't see it very clearly, that it gets difficult. So yeah. two hundred thousand miles or kilometers or whatever it is, that's not really that far in space terms. Two hundred thousand kilometers is a step next door. As I said, that's half <laughs> the distance between Earth and the Moon. So that's nothing. Mm. Yes, nothing whatsoever. But. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as it turns out, the thing they land on, I mean, you could forgive them for not knowing what it was, <laughs> but we'll come to that when they actually uh, yeah. they get there, because things are about to get even weirder. Because uh, Cyclonus, Galvatron and Scourge and the Sweeps are flying through space. And Galvatron has decided that they're going to uh, go to Earth or mm -hmm. go to a space platform that the humans have built through the warp gate. Where the hell did the warp gate come from? What the hell is that thing? I, I, yes. What, I, again, good question. I mean, like, if you retroactively put that into previous episodes of Transformers, obviously nothing Omega Supreme has ever done makes any sense, although that's true anyway. And also the warp gate. Yeah. Is it like the space bridge? Please, please, please tell us more about the warp gates. But I, there's a lot, there's so much, particularly in this episode, which is just like, there's this. Yeah. And uh, so what? Yeah, it, it looks it's pretty. All a bit, it, does, so... it looks nice. Yeah, it, it oh, does. Okay. But uh, it, yeah, this, this warp gate is basically just appears to be a doorway in space that they fly through. It's, <laughs> it's just, oh. So, I mean, we're supposed to be yeah. in 2006 here. Which, you know, from the point of view of 1986, probably looked quite uh, vaguely convincing, or well, 1987, whenever this was on. Uh, but from now in 2023, going, God, it would be great if we had those things these days. Yeah. But uh, Oh, no, we just, we'd just be fighting over them. There'd just be wars about the warp gates. Um, God, have you seen The Expanse? I haven't, no, I probably oh, should. Okay. But but because because the okay so I really love Galvatron's attitude as well towards the humans they have the audacity to build a space station kind of stuff he's he's really I really like this version of Galvatron actually he is incredibly dangerous he's clearly unhinged uh, but he is also consistently the most dangerous thing we've ever seen at this point because he succeeds in destroying far more than I think anyone other than Unicron at this point. Mm. has been seen doing because the first thing he does is turn up at this space platform thing um and just blows it up just transforms yep, into it. his cannon mode and despite all the defenses that are seen on the space platform uh he blows it up uh there is a rather irritating bit where one of the astronauts on the space platform is floating through space and uses a handheld radio to communicate to earth to tell people what's happened Oh, well, so uh, shouting very loudly through his helmet and through the vacuum space, the vacuum to, his of space radio, to his yeah. handheld radio, rather than having it, you know, built into his spacesuit like even we had in the 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK. I did not I pick mean, that up at all. So, yes. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I worry about the fate of these astronauts because they're blown off their space platform mm. to drift in space. Did someone come and collect them afterwards? Uh, I don't know. Oh, but uh, is it, did, did Galvatron actually kill more people than Megatron managed in the whole? you know previous two series in i one think shot. we could infer that given the size of that platform and the number of people who must have been on it he probably killed mm. at least a few Eek. um 
but they appear to have missed something. There's an Autobot shuttle carrying two of the reasons why I found these two episodes so bloody hard to get on with. Oh, yes. Because if you have... I mean, we are used to Transformers with interesting vocal patterns. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, we were introduced to Blur. We were introduced to Wheelie. We were introduced yes. to Rekgar. And we had Blaster, who has a habit of speaking in rhyme. But one thing you'll notice in the movie is that all of those guys tended to turn up one at a time. And yes. did their little annoying vocal trick and then were shut up for the rest of the movie. Here we have Blur and Wheelie on a shuttle together. We have Blaster in the episode at one point, And later on in the next episode, we have Retgar as well. So when you've got all of them in the same 20 minute episode, it just. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I think the I think whoever's scripting this really hated kids. Um, and anyone who was watching it, because it's just sticking those two together is just it's just horrible. And I like the concept of Blur as a character. I think it's cute that Wheelie speaks in rhyme, but they need to be like pairing Wheelie with Grimlock was a great idea. Yeah, mm. pairing pairing Blur and Wheelie is is just is just horrific. Um, yeah. I mean, they have, did you? So what was their conversation? Where because Wheelie sees Galvatron on his screen and blur isn't looking and that whole scene is just like what are they talking about there i have no idea why are they looking at the screen i don't know i found it incredibly difficult to follow what the, what was going on with their dialogue i just glossed yeah. over part of it because it's like it doesn't really matter i can see what's happening yeah. they've still got the uh the transformation cog for metroplex which they were charged <laughs> in the earlier episodes yeah, well, with taking to earth why they are now Starting around on this orbital platform somewhere in deep space out beyond Pluto, which is where this thing apparently is, I have no clue. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if 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 Blur's giving directions, they haven't got a chance, and if Wheelie's giving directions, they haven't got a chance. So whatever it is, you know, they, they're they're not going to be great navigators together, are they? No, apparently not. Um, and uh, while they're while they're fleeing the dis uh, destroyed space platform. Blur decides that Jupiter is a good place to hide. The giant planet Jupiter. Yes. Uh, they Actually, they've done this a few times in a few science fiction shows I can remember, where they think hiding in the giant clouds around Jupiter would be a good idea. Uh, Jason, is hiding in Jupiter a good idea? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, if you're human, definitely not. The radiation would kill you stone dead very, very quickly, um, which okay. makes uh, a later event interesting to say the least um but i mean most recently the borg did it in picard so you know <laughs> oh yes <laughs> um but uh yeah they 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 go to jupiter and i'm not entirely sure that this would win any prizes for accuracy of what the hell goes on in the clouds of jupiter i mean there are a lot of storms in jupiter hmm um, it is a very stormy planet. The Great Red Spot is a giant storm, which is big enough to drop mm -hmm. the Earth into. So, you know. But yeah. interestingly, interestingly, Wheelie takes out a sweep, doesn't he? He does. He shoots one straight in the face. And then he just collapse, falls to the clouds of Jupiter. And, and um, Galvatron says, I'll try and meet your end with dignity. So apparently, <laughs> following the movie, now we've decided, yes, we can kill Transformers quite happily, especially when they're identical to other Transformers that we don't care. These are 
these are basically the cannon fodder guys. Exactly. Jason, do you despise whiners? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then how are you any different from Galvatron? I don't understand. Well, I don't shoot my own troops, um, which he oh, does at yes, one point. <laughs> one point in this uh, in this episode or next episode. Um, somehow or other, he zaps the cloud, which causes it to erupt, which throws Wheelie and Blur out into space. But I, one thing I did enjoy about this is um, uh, when he first goes after them, he says, "Bring me their heads, souvenirs." And then while they're falling to the storm, Cyclonus says. And then everything goes a bit mad and there's explosions and everything all over the place. And Cyclonus turns to him and says, Mighty Galvatron, where are the Autobots heads? What does that matter? Their destruction is assured. <laughs> um, which yeah, I, I like big. Because a, well, a, it shows how unhinged and unpredictable Galvatron actually is, uh, and B, it's funny. So yeah, <laughs> and again, I, missing missing Starscream as I do so very much. Um, I think that you know it, it's great to have that little bit of banter, you know, that little bit of disagreement between the leader and his followers. And Cyclonus is he, he, Cyclonus in the movie did nothing very much in that respect. He didn't have much of a character. So it's interesting they're giving him a bit of character here. It's not quite enough to make up for it, but it would be great if they expanded that on that in later episodes and have Cyclonus and Scourge worrying about how Galvatron is behaving and, you know, to have that bit of uh, friction between them. Uh, I yes. don't think they do very much from memory. They do a bit. There are a couple of episodes like that and they give Scourge and Cyclonus a lot more character than they were given in the movie, certainly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Blur and Wheelie have fallen onto a moon, which is later identified as Io, which I can assure you is not Io. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an odd one and a frustrating one because any other nondescript moon, you could have got away with it. But Io is incredibly distinctive. OK. Io is covered in... Well, it's the most most volcanically active body in the solar system. It is covered in okay. sulfur. It's yellow and orange and looks like a giant pizza. What they land on is a generic rocky grey moon. So it's mm. not Io. It could so, have been any of the other moons of Jupiter. Um, okay, can, I, can I list random moons? Uh, Ganymede? Could have been Ganymede. Europa? Possibly, although Europa is also fairly distinctive, being primarily ice. Uh, uh, is there one called Iapetus? That's a moon of Saturn. Okay, well, that's the, it's, it's the Transformers. They could have got that far. They could have done. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it's not Io, but it's supposed to be Io. Okay, yes. But uh, when the Decepticons go flying off, um, they go flying off to, uh, to Char, to, to, to meet the rest of the Decepticon army. Blaster sends a warning to Mars, where the Earth Defence Command has a base, which changes dramatically between the two times we see it. Um, <laughs> and where Marissa Fairborn appears to be sitting in her spaceship, just waiting for the chance to fly off somewhere, because she just presses a button and off she sh off she shoots. Um, 
Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, Earth Defense Command on Mars always makes me think of Captain Scarlet. Uh, um, <laughs> and I think Marissa, I'd like to see Marissa Fairborn twiddling the channels are getting... And then flicking over and getting blaster <laughs> on the other channel. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we commented earlier, there was no sign of, uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot of Carly lately, but no. now we have a new female lead character, it would appear, Marissa Fairborn. We know nothing um, about her apart from the fact that she can fly a ship and she's part of the Earth Defense Command, but I'm sure we'll see more of her. <laughs> uh yeah she's she's very hard to care about this state and the way she's introduced is one of these ways that we introduce a character and you think that they've been introduced previously and you should know who it is yes there's no real build-up it's just like oh we're gonna speak to marissa fairborn you know marissa fairborn uh yes yeah. yes i do i do she was in that episode previously yeah she she is introduced in the same way I think this is, might be the first time we've had it with a human character, but she's introduced in the same way as the new toys, uh, new Autobots, Decepticons, etc. <laughs> they they've, they've always what well, she's always been there. What are you talking about? No, it's... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is it is it is it time for a quiet chuckle? It is time for a quiet chuckle. The Quintessons are. <laughs> They've been waiting so long for this moment of victory because they think the Autobots have been destroyed that they're not sure how to celebrate. It is a day so long in coming that I am uncertain how to celebrate it. Perhaps a quiet chuckle. Very well then, let us chuckle. <laughs> First time I watched it, genuinely funny moment. Well done. They can still do it. it is, yeah. It's still good. Uh, I, I very, I don't know, does it blitz all the characters of the Quintessons? Who cares? It's quite funny. It's fun. Mm. It's fun. And things take a turn for the weirder. Still, things. The, the thing about these two episodes is that thing, weird things just keep on happening. Every time you think you've got a handle on what's going on, something weird happens. And in this case, the Autobots crash land on something called... Um, the, the Quintessons identify it as Goo 8739B. 8739B, of course. Yeah. I know it well but it's called goo and it's covered in goo. Uh, okay. All right. Now we will see more of this as we go on, but uh, initial theories about goo. Uh, Jason, please give me a goo theory. Well, judging by the fact that we shortly after they arrive, we see a vehicle of some description, which appears to be sucking up the goo and extracting metallic junk from it. Hmm. It would appear that goo is some kind of cosmic flypaper picking up space debris and things like that. And then this thing is just extracting all the useful junk. Uh, and I use the word junk quite deliberately for reasons that will become much clearer in episode four. Yeah. Um, well, it seems uh, and that's a real world problem because obviously there's a lot of space junk uh, in orbit around Earth and some kind of is. big sticky, uh, as it turns out, kind of gross sausage-like structure might actually be useful to remove some of it from the atmosphere. Um, possibly. It could well be, yeah. So it is a giant glue thing <laughs> to hoover up all the space junk. Um, but it turns out these guys, they can walk through the goo quite happily, but they just can't get off it. It's trapped them that way mm. somehow. And uh, this machine leads us into a commercial break by sucking up Springer and basically killing him. Uh, and how does RC feel about this? 
RC is very upset and she's so upset that we get to see how upset she is when they recap it at the beginning of the next bit when they come back from the commercial break. Endlessly shouting, no! Yes. Which is, yeah. So so RC and Sing Springer is still a thing, which is um, uh, is is almost possible to care about, I think. Almost possible to care about because, you know, I mean, we can't have introduced a female regular Autobot character without her having some romantic attachment to one of the lads, can we? <laughs> no. Um, also notable here, we see Grimlock very briefly. Uh, to remind you, he's here. We see a couple, I think we see a different aerial bot for half a second. And there's a deeply weird bit where Judge Deliberata, it's just the face rather yes. than the whole Quintessum body. Uh, any ideas? Uh, no. I've got no idea what's okay. going on there. Cup pulls the face out and throws it back in. And then the next thing mm -hmm. we see, it's the Quintesson with all five faces attached and Grimlock tells him to shut them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's something that's potentially interesting, but just not... Uh, uh, again, one of the big frustrations of this episode is how many things they throw at it and how many things just like, just what? What? Yeah. What? Um, bizarrely, okay. Rodimus manages to clog up the machine that is designed to suck up the goo with some of the goo, and it crashes. <laughs> well done, Rodimus. Um, but then there's a plot point, isn't there? Because Deliberata is surprised and says, that's impossible. You weren't programmed for self-sacrifice. How does he know that? <laughs> also, how does he make that out as being self-sacrifice? Um, yes. It's a bit of a stretch. I think. But it's anyway, no, but the, the point is, is bravery and courage and putting yourself in the path of danger uh, is exactly what, you're, what you want your prime characters doing, saving the day. Uh, we'll see if Rodimus does any more day saving later on. We will indeed. Meanwhile, the other Quintessons have decided that since the Autobots keep surviving, they have no other choice but to form an alliance with the Decepticons. The Decepticons are uh, short on Energon. So the Quintessons offer them some Energon, but just enough to make them hungrier still. Yeah. And so it's quite there's... nice. Yes, yeah, it's quite nice. They've got a Dead Ends character here, and he's really like depressed about everything, saying, I might as well go out because I'm going to die anyway. So the yeah. character bios are still, still being read by someone, at least. The character bios are still being read. Unfortunately, the uh, animators aren't really paying attention to what they're doing. Um, because there's one sequence a bit later on during the conversation where the Combaticons are standing with Bruticus, <laughs> who is the same uh, size as all of them. <laughs> this is one of those scenes that I know about because I read about it, obviously, on TF Wiki and the various other sources. So, you know, if, you, if you're watching, you do have to, like, really pay attention to spot it. But once you spot it, it's like, what, what were they thinking? Yes. There's about, uh, and there are 200 other Transformers they could have drawn in place of Bruticus. There are. There are many other Transformers that they could have drawn in place of Bruticus. But this is not the most egregious example in these two episodes, as we shall see when we get to episode four. Lordy. Bizarrely, Onslaught now has a different voice. Um, he has his normal mm. voice back, which he didn't have when he first appeared in part <laughs> one. So... And talking of voices, there's a couple of strange moments where Wheelie's voice modulation is a bit weird as well. Okay. Um, is it was it turned down a bit, or is it just a bit weirder? 
Well, apparently, and I'll, again, I'll credit TF Wiki with this, apparently uh, some of the plotting was rewritten at the last minute and Frank Welker, who normally voiced Wheelie, uh, either wasn't available or didn't want to do it for whatever reason and they got somebody else mm -hmm. in to do the voice and they didn't modulate it the same way. So he suddenly speaks very much like this as opposed to his <laughs> heavily modified voice. So it's well, really... it's a bit of a relief, really. I think he's easier to understand in those bits. He is, yes. No less mm. irritating, but easier to understand. So the Quintessons uh, offer unlimited energon to the Decepticons if they will destroy the Autobots. Um. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean, like, seeing as uh, destroying the Autobots is the number one thing that Decepticons want to do, that's... Uh... I, I don't know. I, it, it's an interesting thing to get try and get them to do. Also, it's the one thing that we know full well that they've had zero success at over the past nine million years. So it's probably not the best guys to ask to destroy the Autobots. Probably not, no. Um, uh, but there's one dissenting voice among the Decepticons, and that dissenting voice is Blitzwing for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that famous antagonist Blitzwing, who's uh, previously filled up an Energon cube on Dinobot Island and had a punch up with Warpath. Those are two things I remember Blitzwing doing. Anything uh, else? Uh, and took the coach of a football team hostage as a military strategist in a football stadium. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, that does make more sense now. <laughs> He's nuts. But uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, the original outline had Shockwave as the dissenter. Uh, Shockwave having Makes been sense. there since day one, and he may well have remembered about the Quintessons in the past. Um, but the memo came through. Now, Shockwave has been retired. He's not in the shops anymore, but this guy is. Yeah. So make it this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey. Yeah. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. And, I, and it's yeah where the toys start the, the demand sell toys actually starts damaging the characters it's always a bit uh bit of a shame but uh never mind it, it is it is a shame um but i think the uh i think the producers got a wake-up call when they killed optimus prime off in the movie and got such a backlash of letter writing and everything else and say like, oh actually maybe we should treat these guys a bit more like characters rather than just <laughs> the toys mm. that we're trying to sell yeah. um but anyway, the Decepticons head off with the Quintessons, except Blitzwing, who stays behind. And uh, back on Io, apparently, uh, Wheelie and Blur have arrived on Io, and they don't realise that apparently there are strange creatures that look a bit dragonish on Io. Um, um, a bit dragonish. I was going to go with a bit. Do they look a bit crap? Um, they're not. Uh, the sort of yes. red glowing ready bet creatures that spit green goo and they're quite big big creatures yeah. spitting green goo that's made of acid how scary yes and we see one eating a piece of metal which dissolves in the acid as he chews it so we get an idea Ooh. of how deadly these guys are and along comes a real Marissa fairborn with uh with a She's, she's really overblown here as well because she said well, do you think it could be blur and wheelie i don't want to guess I want to know. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> just, just say, I don't know, I'll go and find out, or something like that. You know, <laughs> She's exactly the sort of person you say, oh, God, don't don't ask them what they want for breakfast, because they're just going to be like, I don't want porridge, I want shredded wheat. 
Uh, I'm just like that all the time. Never I want off. three shredded wheats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Indeed. Well, arriving at Char with some weird animation that makes it look like they're flying backwards. Um, I like that bit. I really like that animation bit. It's good because, you know, there, there's Galvatron, Cyclonus, Scourge and the Sweeps flying up a, what appears to be a street of ruined buildings. But because of the way mm. they arrange the animation on the background, it does look like they're flying backwards down this street. It doesn't quite match up. Um, but Galvatron finds only Blitzwing who he remembers as his comrade, and Blitzwing recognises Galvatron immediately, even though he was nowhere around in the movie during the ten minutes that Galvatron was on Cybertron. <laughs> so. Ooh, uh, was he at Starscream's coronation? He was definitely on Astro Train. Ooh, okay, that's a tricky one. Yes. Obviously. I never forget a face, Mr... Galvatron? Mr. Galvatron. <laughs> I mean, okay, Galvatron was Megatron, so we can... Mm. We can allow it, I suppose, but yeah. uh, he's Blitzwing tells him that the Decepticons have gone with somebody who's he can't remember them. He can't remember them, and Galvatron yeah. doesn't care because he's the leader, and so he's going to go and find the Decepticons and reclaim his place as the Decepticon leader. Yeah, which is kind of funny because, like, uh, after watching the movie and then coming back to this, you know, you probably wouldn't remember who the Contessans were and might not care. So I think that does reflect a lot of what the kids might be thinking at this point. Yes, could well be. Back on Goo, the Autobots are trying to find a way to yes. shut off. So we're back goo. to Goo next, are we? Yes. They're trying to find a way to shut it off because somehow they've decided hmm. that there's a force field that's keeping it warm and sticky, um, which is not actually unreasonable because if it's warm and sticky rather than frozen solid as it would be in space if it was unprotected then something must be keeping it that way very but, sensible uh, yes this is a sensible approach to goo but the quintesson ship arrives and the decepticons come pouring out firing all their weapons while the autobots just stand there for a bit looking a bit surprised traps in the goo like flies in honey or something like that, as the Decepticons blast at them. Yeah, I know, it's a terrifying ending. That's it for the Autobots, surely, surely. <laughs> well, it surely would be more terrifying if the Autobots weren't just casually standing there for so long while the Decepticon fire rains around them, apparently not hitting a single one of them. Yes. They don't seem uh, to also, be in any particular yeah. urge to run away, because we, you know, well, they can run away. We know they can run through the goo. They just can't get off it, but they just sort of stand yeah. there and watch while the Decepticons completely fail to shoot them. <laughs> Well, you know, they've, they've faced Decepticons before and they know if they run away, they might actually get hit. If they just stand where they are, they've got a good chance of uh, surviving. <laughs> also, they're probably staring in rapt attention at who the hell are these goons who are flying out the spaceship? Because there's a real bunch of just like, just what is happening? Yeah, there's the, and we'll see more of them in the next episode, because at this point uh, we get a to be continued. Dun, dun, ah. dun. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. So that's part three that's part of, three of the Five Faces, Faces of, Darkness. of Darkness. What did you make of part three? Um, uh, I'd like to say that it's gone off the rails a bit, but to be honest, I think the rails have never been really very much there at all. So uh, uh, it's it's plonking along on the goo. I, and But it's so frustrating because there's just little bits of like good stuff in there, like the Contestants blowing up their home planet, um, there's the Galvatron Cyclonus stuff. There's some good, good character stuff here and there. There's elements of just like 
good stuff. But but what the hell is goo? I mean, like we we made up a theory, but it's never explained on screen what the hell's going on. Um, and and it just jumps from one thing to the next. And it's I find it frustrating that the and it gets worse next episode that the Autobots are trying to get somewhere and can't get there and are plonking about. I find that really frustrating, particularly Wheelie and Blur. It's just like, oh, now they're getting blown up. Oh, now they're not going to make it back to Earth. Oh, now this has happened. It's just oh, driving me crazy. How did you enjoy it? Much the same. Yeah, it, it is frustrating. It's a, it's a story that you're looking at. And the more I look at it, the more I think this did not need to be five parts. <laughs> um, there isn't really mm. enough plot to sustain five episodes um, of this story, I think. And they are just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it. And, you know, where are things like warp gates and orbital platforms and goo and all that other stuff coming from when, yeah, you know, you almost yeah. forget that Wheelie and Blur are supposed to be heading to Earth to give Metroplex his transformation cog. Well, I, no, you do forget. I, I totally forgot about, you know, I've been watching this <laughs> for a podcast and I forgot. Um, and yeah, the orbital platform, they could have done a whole episode about the humans building this orbital platform and the Autobots working with them. That would have been great. Yeah. But no, mm. it's just, it's there and there's an orbital platform and Galvatron blows it up. So, okay, well, that was not worth introducing then, was it really? <laughs> Why well, Galvatron should have blown up the warp gate as well. I mean, he should just blow up everything. Well, yeah. Well, he's going to blow up he's a bit more in part four. Did you yeah. were you able to identify a man of the match in this episode? Um, I think that the man of the match, uh, and for all the remaining episodes, will be Marissa Fairborn for just making a good go of it and being game. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that that's about all you can say, really. It's definitely not Wheelie or Blaster or uh, um, Blur. It's not Rodimus Prime. It's not Ultra Magnus. Uh, it's not the Quintessons. Um, Galvatron's Galvatron's a sent more sensible answer. Galvatron's pretty cool, uh, but apart from that, yeah, yeah. So Galvatron or Marissa Fairborn? Who do yeah, you go for? I, I'm going for Galvatron as the only one who seems to have a consistent idea of what he wants to do, and he's going out and getting stuff done. <laughs> Basically, well done, Galvatron. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, but that was part three. Shall we see if things get any more sensible in part four? Well, you know, we signed up to this a long time ago. So, you know, <laughs> just got to <laughs> plough on through the goo, Jason. Plough on through the goo. Yes, indeed. Well, here we are on Five Faces of Darkness, part four. And we're still on goo. And the Decepticons are still crap shots as the Autobots just stand there and <laughs> don't get hit by anything. Um, and we we get some weird animation here, don't we? The Decepticon crowds. Yeah. What on it. earth is going on? We have uh, we have a shockwave that's coloured like a Constructicon. Yep. We have uh, Snarl coloured like some other Decepticon or other. Um. It's just so, it, it, uh, and again, they're on screen for a couple of seconds. Who cares, kind of, except except that they, they could have just drawn some of the Decepticons, you know. They there's could. There's still plenty alive. 
I mean, it gets worse later on when there's a good couple of close-ups of one of the aerial bots talking <laughs> in the Decepticon ranks. It's like, wait, well, you're not paying attention to who you're drawing at this point. Um, it's it's terrible, and it's just this whole thing that I said earlier about you know you've had the movie, you've had you've had your you've had your fine wine and your expensive dinner. And now you're back at McDonald's and it's not even McDonald's. It's like a Hardee's restaurant or a Wendy's. And it's just it's just disgusting. It's, it's such a such a come down. It is. Uh, the animation quality in these episodes is absolutely shocking in places. Um... Yeah. And it, it's little things as well. It's like if you just watch the way the faces are animated, particularly in these scenes and, and watch the, the the way people move. Uh, which you normally don't pay that much attention to because you're caught up in what's going on. It's just, it's bad. The faces are ugly and drawn at strange angles and there's all kinds of bad stuff going on. It's, uh, yep, disgusting. Yeah. So anyway, yes. Yeah, it's not great. Um, Deliberator is cheering on the Decepticons attacking the Autobots, so Grimlock just smacks him into the goo with his tail. Um, <laughs> and... Then Galvatron arrives and, oddly enough, saves the Autobots because he distracts the uh, Decepticons because he gives his order to attack. And when Cyclonus asks who, Galvatron shoots him and says everyone. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Absolutely attack everyone. Yeah. That's, that's great. And then Motormaster it's... notices Galvatron and Galvatron starts shooting at him and says, beg for your life and i might let you live whatever and motormaster starts <laughs> groveling yeah but it's great though i mean like he he despises he despises people who are disloyal he despises traitors more than he despises autobots and he's true to his word he's very true to his character and personality even if the obvious thing to do would be to say let's join in and kill Rodimus prime now but uh no no well done galvatron for sticking to your uh sticking to your guns absolutely he then hears that somebody else is responsible for for driving this attack and decides to go and introduce themselves to the quintessons hmm. which is guaranteed to go badly for the quintessons you would think well um yes and it's not like galvatron to go and introduce himself when he could just go and blow them up which is what he likes to do absolutely Meanwhile, on Goo, with the uh, Decepticons now distracted by the arrival of Galvatron, uh, much to their surprise, although it's a kind of dull surprise because they're firing at the auto at the Decepticons, and I think is it Ultra Magnus who says take Galvatron first or something, and Rodimus Prime's like, well, Galvatron? Oh, <laughs> you'd think he'd be a bit more surprised at that bloke that he tossed out of Unicron just before um, destroying Unicron. All that well, is is back again, but uh, no, he just seems a bit oh. Okay, oh. that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, there should there should have been a really big moment where Rodimus Prime and Galvatron meet for the first time after the movie, and it's just they don't even actually meet. Kind of, nope. they just sort of spot each other across a crowded room. They do indeed, barely even a kiss. <sighs> but never mind, because Rodimus Prime is about to meet somebody else from the movie when they realise <laughs> that only the televisions are still active in the control centre. And there it is. There's Rekgar, no longer hey. voiced by Eric Idle, and now with his name because he wasn't named in the movie at all. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, he was named on his toy bio, so they're calling him Rekgar <laughs> on the show now. 
And it's Rodimus who names him, isn't it? Rodimus says it's Retgar. It's Retgar, and he refuses to like an old friend. It's like you literally met yeah. him once just before yeah. you before you even became Rodimus Prime. Maybe other things have happened in the meantime, because some time is supposed to have passed, isn't it, between the movie yeah. and this? Um, yeah, they, they set up their stupid games and uh, did all kinds of stuff. So maybe they've had a bit more of a chat with Retgar. But it's, it's their old pal Retgar who they talk TV to um, yes. in uh, in another desperately irritating uh, couple of uh, moments. Yeah, another set of sequences where I barely even paid attention to what Retgar was actually saying because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Walker would love this, wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, he couldn't cope with Warpath, so I bet these guys would just kill him. Put, yeah, put Blur, Wheelie, Retgar, and Blaster in the same one, and oh boy. <laughs> so we're off to IO next, aren't we? So Rodimus is going to say today, we're off to IO again. I'm talking of Blur and Wheelie. Talking of Blur and they're... Wheelie, they're being attacked by these creatures, which turn out to be quite little and barely more than an irritation. Um <laughs> No, they're they're terrifying Blur and Wheelie, and they're flapping their arms about, and they're about to die. They're, who can possibly save Blur and Wheelie now? Well, Marissa Fairborn arrives, and uh, she shoots a few, blows a few of them up, calls them bags of protoplasm for some reason, which is odd because they are also clearly mechanical because they transform into missiles that blow up. What a weird transformation to have. Yes. Also, uh, are they Transformers? Are they related to Transformers? Is transformation something that's unique to the Transformers? And how does that work with the Junkians who can also transform? And oh, stop crying. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's it's really, really bizarre. Um, Marissa appears to be, from, from her dialogue, we can assume she is armed with null rays. So they must have reverse engineered yeah. some Decepticon tech there and they've got null rays. Yeah, that's um, cool. I, I do like that she's got null rays, even if they... I, I Well, it's not really established what null rays are or what they do, but and they just seem to blow up these creatures anyway, so whatever. Yeah. But Blur and Wheelie, for some reason, try to run away from these creatures. That's Blur mm. and Wheelie. <laughs> that's two guys who transform into cars, mm -hmm. try to run away. And one of them is the fastest Autobot around, so we're told, and he just runs like, yeah. <laughs> just trots, so, doesn't he? Yeah. It's ludicrous. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. No, it's just like, because they, they read the bios when it suits them, and just sometimes they, oh, no, I'm just I'm just very upset now. Yeah. Marissa Fairborn. Yeah, Marissa Fairborn's cool, though. She, 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 she's got a good ship. She's going to save them. It's all going to be good. Except, of course, those little creatures turn into rockets and blow her ship up. And this is... So they're trapped on Io. No one knows they're there. They haven't got a ship. They're surrounded by killer creatures. And normally that's kind of like a high drama moment. Very exciting. But it's just like, oh, for God's sake, I want to see Metroplex, you know? And yeah. all of this is getting in the way of that. It is. And to make matters worse, that little scene on IO is the last we see of that little subplot with Blur and Wheelie trying to get Metroplex's transformation cog to Autobot City on Earth for the rest of this episode. <laughs> Brutal. So we go back to the Quintesson ship and Galvatron is um, not happy. 
When is he happy? But the Quintessons offer his offer them his, their help. Have I asked for your help? No. Then what makes you think I want it? And they're oh, oh, we better we better come up with another plan. And so they come up with this idea of the Decepticon matrix of leadership, which is so transparently bullshit that you wonder how Galvatron <laughs> falls for it, but fall for it, he does. However, yes, but it's so transparently lies and rubbish and nonsense, and yet I want it to be true. Yes. I want to see the Decepticon matrix leadership. I want it to be bright purple. I want it to look like the Autobot matrix leadership, only more evil with spikes on it. And I can just see it in my head. And I so want it to be true, but it's not. And Galvatron probably feels the same way I do. He frequently does. Quite possibly. I do remember that in future versions of Transformers, there was the Matrix of Chaos. Ah. Um, which I think in one of the Power of the Primes cartoons or whatever, the um, I think it's Overlord forces it into Hot Rod and makes him Rodimus Cron. <laughs> Not to be confused with, oh, God, what's the evil other Rodimus? Oh, no, I've forgotten his name. There, there is a shattered glass version of Rodimus, isn't there? I can't remember who he's called. Yeah, I can't remember uh, either. But uh, No, never mind. <clears throat> but, yeah, so uh, they say they'll give information about the Decepticon Matrix if Galvatron destroys the Autobots. And so Galvatron <laughs> attacks the Autobots. Really, really, you want him to? You want Galvatron to destroy the Autobots? Wow. Okay. Uh, what made you think he'd be up for that? I mean, like, as he's shown no record of doing that in the past. Ah, oh, dear, oh dear. Well, Retgar arrives in his ship, and um, for some reason, melts the goo underneath the Autobots and sucks them through it to collect them. Um, so disturbing. The Quintesson escapes. Yes. Somehow. Um, so yeah. Uh okay, he gets he gets fired off. And uh so what's plot point? Did it serve keeping him or having him there? Uh, okay, no, never mind. Not, uh, not even remotely clear. Galvatron's on hand to do what he does best. Yep, Galvatron is most annoyed. Um so he transforms into his cannon mode and he blasts goo to pieces. <laughs> well, good because it never made any sense anyway no it didn't i mean the fact that it's goo 8739b implies the existence of other planets called goo yeah um, at least eight thousand of them at least yeah. nine thousand of them and we will and in bees. fact yeah we will in fact see other planets called goo later in the series at least once oh great but there we go i can't so wait. The Autobots have run away and Galvatron is unsurprisingly a little bit ticked off. Hmm. And he goes back and finds, asks the Quintessons why they haven't managed to destroy the Autobots. And they say it's because their interactions with humans have changed them. Now, I mean, this is a kind of typical, the machines have learned human qualities kind of sci-fi yeah. subplot isn't it yeah. except that the war and the things have been going on for millions of years before the autobots ever met any humans they've only mm. known humans for the last 20 odd years on the timeline that we're talking about here 
So what have the Quintessons yeah. been doing for those other millions of years when they weren't able to do anything? Um, I think the Quintessons are... I, okay, I'm just going to They're just really stupid. I think that's a much clearer explanation. They're absolute idiots. And, uh, you know, their theory about, oh, well, it's probably interacting with the humans, just like, oh, whatever, Quintessons. Yeah, go and, go and uh, cry into your Decepticon matrix of leadership. We don't care. Yeah. Well, Galvatron is not impressed by this suggestion, so he agrees to an alliance to wipe out the Autobots and the humans. And everyone shouts, mm. Hail Galvatron! I'd shout that. Yeah. So, what are the so Autobots the... doing? Well, they've gone to the planet of junk. Ah, are they having a dance party? They're not having a dance party this time, but they are doing something that they did last time as well. And uh, Springer is put back together again. <clears throat> oh, hooray. And uh, RC is delighted. Ah, uh, yes, there's, they, they have a big uh, robot hug, don't they? They do have a big robot hug, yes. But Rodimus mm. is brooding. Mm, brooding he... Rodimus, yes. Uh, well, uh, yeah, because he's also, you know, he's a young punk, but he's also got dark secrets. So that makes him cool, doesn't it? So he can have a nice brood dark secrets and huge responsibility because as i think we said in the commentary on the movie it, you know the the best strategy surely is to put your young punk warrior suddenly in charge of everything um, <laughs> yeah and it's difficult to brood effectively when you've got a gigantic red flame on your chest and huge hot rods on your arms yes you just don't look the part not so much no well, Rodimus wants to know about the Quintessons, why they know so much about the Autobots, what they uh, what they are. Um, but he's sure the answer is in the Matrix, but he doesn't know how mm. to get to the information. And Springer sarcastically says, oh, that's easy. You just get blasted and almost die again like you did last time. Yeah. Um, and RC tells him off of making such a crude joke and Springer assures her that Rodimus is not as stupid as he looks only it turns out that Rodimus is indeed as stupid as he looks because immediately they disappear he short circuits himself and collapses with a smoking hole in his chest I'm going to argue that Rodimus is way more stupid than he looks because he looks really really cool I mean like I think that's the main thing that saves it. He does look really cool. So, uh, yeah. But he, no, it's really stupid. He just kills himself so he can find it. But then it's this kind of TV show where killing yourself to find out a few plot points is just, that's totally acceptable. Yeah. And so then we go into the fantasy world of the Matrix and Rodimus communes with the old Autobot leaders. And uh, they learn, yes. oh dear, <laughs> they learn their <laughs> oh. origins. Oh, no. So, what did you uh, think of I, this I, origin story, Steve? Uh, there is only one Transformers origin, um, which is that there was a battle between Unicron and Primus billions of years ago, and Primus became Cybertron, and Unicron was banished to the outer depths of space, and Primus's head is still in the heart of Cybertron, and it was, it's a battle between the gods, between good and evil, and the ultimate... Oh, no, actually... Um, so the Quintessons made the Transformers as like the Autobots were consumer units and the Decepticons were battle units and there was a, some sort of rebellion and then eventually they worked out to transform and it's it's okay, I guess. It's not very inspiring, is it? Uh, no, I mean, it's the Quintessons millions of years ago created robots 
there were two lines, military hardware and consumer goods, mm -hmm. which explains why the Autobots are cars and mm. planes and vehicles and why the Decepticons are jet planes and guns and cassette recorders and cameras and things. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It, it's, I think, uh, yeah, that's that, that, there's kind of a reasoning there, but but still, it, they couldn't transform until a long time after the Quintessons left, so it's still rather pointless. It's just like the Decepticons had more missiles attached to them. Yeah, it's all a bit strange. I mean, they talk about mm -hmm. how they uh, they reprogrammed the robots so the robots could make themselves. And then the Quintessons got lazy and greedy and used the robots for entertainment purposes and slavery and what have you. We do get a bit of gladiatorial combat, which I think at this point had been written into some of the older stories in the annuals and what have you. Because mm. um, I think, isn't there, I think it's in the 1986 <laughs> annual. That'd be about right. The story, I think it's called uh, State Games, which goes mm. into the origin of Megatron as a gladiator in these combat arenas. Yes, one that is stuck for the later comic strips, very much so. That is now Megatron's generally his uh, his origin story. Oh, and next year, or maybe later this year, we're going to get a new Transformers movie, which is going to be an origin movie on like a big budget Transformers movie coming up. Oh, I wonder which origin Called story they'll go with. Will it be the Quintessons or will it be Unicron and Primus? <laughs> Do you know what? Whatever it is, I'm sure the fans will get really annoyed about it. <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I do prefer the Unicron and Primus origin story, and I do love that mm. that's actually from the Marvel UK run of comics. Um, Yay! So that was that was us. We did that. <laughs> that's the British British talent. Yeah. Saving the day. So, uh, okay, so, but things get worse, don't they, continuity-wise? Uh, oh, they do, because uh, there's the, the Quintessons are driven off Cybertron. Uh, for a while, everything's okay, because the freed slaves are happy, but the Autobots want to live in peace, and the Decepticons want military conquest. One has to wonder of what, because they already pretty much rule Cybertron anyway at this point, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they took to fighting amongst themselves and the Autobots developed stealth in the form of transformation. I'm not sure they really understand what stealth means, given the transformation that it. we see into some kind of weird monster truck with teeth and a head of some description. It's like, surely somebody noticed those. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's much discovering stealth and discovering if I turn into a car, I can just run you over. Yeah, <laughs> much, much better solution. Indeed. But then one day Megatron was created, apparently, from the shot that we see, by the Constructicons. That's yes. the Constructicons that were made Decepticons by Megatron's Robo Smasher and which were built on Earth in 1984. Um... <laughs> I've got this. I've got this. I've been thinking about this all day and what i've got is that a constructicon is a generic name given to a transformer that specializes in construction and so you can have constructicons back in time these aren't the same characters that megatron builds that merge into devastator much later on they're just a bunch of constructicons 
okay, the whole Devastator Omega Supremes thing still doesn't work, but you know, it, 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 it okay, I'm just clutching the straws here. Yeah. Ah, well, Megatron killed one of the Autobot leaders who transferred the Matrix to a very familiar chap. It's Alpha Trion. <laughs> Bizarrely hey. looking like the old Alpha Trion that we saw in uh, a cartoon series, rather than the Alpha Trion from millions of years ago that we saw in another episode. So, not so hooray. Ugh. And the Matrix was passed on. And this part of the narrative is suddenly a very familiar voice telling us this bit of yes. the story. Yes. Just before we see him, it's Optimus Prime. Oh, hooray. Oh, manna from heaven. And you just, it's like, what, what have you been missing for these past couple of episodes? What have you been really missing? And it turns out it's Optimus Prime. And bringing him back was such a bad idea to remind you he exists is like, Oh, don't do it. Don't remind us of this Prime exists because it makes everything else seem so bad. Well, at least here he's a Matrix vision to Rodimus Prime as opposed to yeah. the uh, zombie that he comes back as in a few episodes' time. <laughs> hey. um, hmm. So honestly, it, it would have been better if the if he'd gone back into the Matrix and like uh, some Japanese guy had started talking about Diaclone and Microman as the actual origin <laughs> of the Transformers. <laughs> That probably would have been better, actually. We should have had that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seriously? Rather than, rather than, oh, these one-off characters that we created for the movie, let's bring them back and make them the Transformers creators. That's an excellent idea. Why not? Oh, no. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fill you with joy, really, does it? Not really, no. no. Um, part of the problem I found with these episodes, um, which happens more and more in series three is so much of this is taking place away from earth away from anything mm. even vaguely familiar that it becomes harder and harder to really care <sighs> i find what is going mm. on because we're not in a city that we recognize we don't have any human characters you know spike is tagging along on goo but he doesn't actually contribute anything to the proceedings at this point yeah. marissa fairborn has popped up in one scene and we don't really know who she is she's just a human yeah and all think, this I is about the origin of the transformers and the threat to cybertron yeah. and it's like, oh. i think i think you can do that in a way that makes you care but it, it just has to be more iconic and more exciting and it's just not particularly iconic and exciting just frustrating yeah, um, I mean, we literally just had a huge threat to Cybertron as the thing of the movie. That was it. You know, Unicron wasn't ever a threat to Earth at any point in the narrative of the movie. He was only a threat to the Cybertron mm. and the Transformers. But it was done much, much better. Yeah, huge scale, very exciting, uh, terrifying, terrifying threat. And this time it's just, oh, it's these guys? Seriously? Oh. It's these guys who are so inept, they've blown up their own planet and now want to ally themselves with the Decepticons who have proven to be entirely incapable of destroying the Autobots. <laughs> oh, uh. dear. So uh, so, so, Ro did Rodimus survive his uh, trip into the Matrix? He did. He wakes up okay. to find that Springer has revised his earlier opinion and decided that Rodimus is as stupid as he looks after all. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that's settled then. Yeah. But he says that Cybertron is in great danger, so they have to get back there as quickly as possible. Uh, hang on. How's he worked out Cybertron's in danger? I have absolutely no idea. 
good. He just okay. he got a history lesson, and somehow from that he's decided that the Quintessons want Cybertron back again. Fine. Okay. Whatevs. Okay. So so what's going on on Cybertron? Uh, you know, are, are they sensibly defending their planet? Well, near Cybertron, a random asteroid with some giant construction of some description on it. <laughs> Uh, is around and Galvatron and the Quintessons are plotting a strategy. Cybertron appears to have been rebuilt quite a bit since we last saw it. Mm. Uh, this is not the iconic looking Cybertron from series one and two and even the movie with, you know, the metal walkways across its surface and towers and holes that lead down to great depth. This just appears to be a bit like a Death Star with spikes on it, really. Mm. But also appears to have it... a couple of moons, and I'm pretty sure Unicron ate them. So, <laughs> well, it's just got a couple more. Um, and it is always a nice thing, even in a terrible episode of Transformers. You could always, like, if there was a shot of Cybertron, it would always be nice. You know, it would always be they've made an effort here. This looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it looks really cool now anymore. <laughs> it just looks a bit uh, flat and dull. It does look a bit flat and dull. Well, Galvatron's strategy is to attack on two fronts. They're going to attack Cybertron and they're going to attack on Earth at Autobot City. On Earth, the Constructicons are making some changes to a city. Okay. And then, the, I, well, God knows what's going on here because then he said, oh, Trypticon's ready. Transform it. And they flick a switch and the city folds up and turns into a giant robot dinosaur. Again, extraordinarily cool, extraordinarily amazing. Maybe, maybe this is the follow-up to City of Steel. Maybe that would have been a good aim for what they were doing in that episode. And it, they could have done that. Could have been the whole five-parter is building Trypticon. Um, but no, it's just oh, here's Trypticon. Yeah, and he blows up a bit of mountain, doesn't he? Yeah, and how did they okay. convert a human city, which is populated at this point, <laughs> without anybody noticing, and somehow managed to make it turn into a giant robot dinosaur with purple and green bits on it that looks nothing like anything that came out of the city? Uh, it's... Well, to be honest, if there was uh, planning permission to turn, uh, I don't know, Luton into a giant purple dinosaur with guns and loads of stuff coming out of his mouth and big rotating legs so it could trundle really slowly across the landscape, I think people would be up for it. Uh, I, I entirely agree. Trypticon is cool. And Trypticon <laughs> is another one that is cool. And we never got him. <laughs> he was not available in the UK. No, too big for you in the UK. You can have Metroplex, but you can't have Trypticon. We could have Metroplex, but we couldn't have Trypticon. I'm just glad we got Scorponok, frankly, so that Metroplex oh, yes. actually had somebody to face off with. But yeah, Trypticon, <laughs> no, you couldn't have Trypticon. And that's a shame because Trypticon possibly would have been better paired off with Omega Supreme because he also had battery-powered special features and could walk. <laughs> Yes, Trypticon's got the slow-moving legs. Uh, I, I've seen the... Yeah, look it up on YouTube. There's Someone's done a race between Omega Supreme and Trypticon. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a very, very, very dull race. I was going to say, that must be interminable. They hardly move. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, Trypticon is pretty cool. He's a dinosaur. He folds out into a city. He, later we see him fold up into a battle station of some description. So, yeah, he's a pretty yeah. cool city kind of robot. Um, got a lot going for him 
He has indeed, but we only get to see him turn up and go, what the hell is that? Before we cut yeah. back to Cybertron and a ship requesting emergency landing clearance. And Perceptor says, yeah, we can't do it because we have to defend Cybertron. Cup mm. is somehow on Cybertron already. Yes, I'm very cross about this because he was just on Goo and then he was with Rodimus Prime and now he's back on Cybertron. So where's Rodimus Prime? Is he making his way back to Cybertron? Uh, please. Is it, or is it just someone who looks like Cup? Ah, who knows? Mm. But he can't let them blow up, so he has to let them land. And they don't land. They turn their course and fly straight into Cybertron's central power facility because every sensible planetary operation depends on one single centralised power supply with no backups or anything like that that can be blown up by flying a spaceship into it. Mm. basically it lands on cybertron's off switch and cybertron turns off yep all of cybertron's uh, planetary defenses are down and so the decepticons fly out of the quintesson ships and start blasting away and the quintessons are delighted because soon the autobots will be destroyed and then they will deal with the decepticons oh dun, dun, dun. really black slightly to the cybertron defense of cybertron I mean, for nine million years, Cybertron was defended by shockwave and a small handgun. So, quite what the uh, this all these defenses are, I, I, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> and obviously, they haven't been much used before. Unicron tore right through them. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, the Quintessence, please. The Autobots are going to be destroyed. Cybertron's going to be in trouble. They've got a lot on their plate, and I've got no idea how they're going to get out of this one, or even where any of the characters are or who's doing anything, or what anyone's motivation is. So, you know, it's it's all to play for, for part five. Yeah, will five part five make sense of it all? Well, you'll have to come <laughs> back next time and find out, because that's us That's us done. So who was your man of the match well, for part four? Um, It's so easy to say Galvatron again, isn't it? Isn't it easy to say Galvatron? It's it just is, because like, he seems to be the only one who's actually getting anything done. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I'd like to say Optimus Prime, but no. I'd like to say Marissa Fairborn, but seriously, Rodimus kills himself halfway through the episode. <laughs> um, all very poor, you know. It's just Galvatron by default, isn't it, really? It is, although I'm tempted to go with Triptychon just for being a cool giant dinosaur robot. Yes, yes, uh, that does that does score you a lot of points in any episode. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, because I mean, cool. this is this episode is just absolutely mad, mm. absolutely mad, and we're all heading towards episode five, wondering what on earth is going on and how they're going to get out of this one, and why the origin of the Transformers that we never really needed to know turned out to be so duff and dull. <laughs> yes, it's it's. It's such an important pivotal episode that nobody really cares about. Yeah. And I I don't think people people aren't coming back to this origin of the Transformers time and again in various different media and saying, Wow, that was that was something. They're just, you know, oh, we were afraid by those stupid balloon heads. Um I have actually worked out now what the five faces of darkness are. And it's obviously the five faces of the quintessons, isn't it? Because they're supposed to. I, I've only count, I've only ever counted four, you know. But apparently they've got five. Is that right, Jason? Yes, I think that is correct. Okay. <clears throat> well, those okay. quintessons that we see have five faces. 
Yes. Um, we later will see Quintessons with one face, which makes the name Quintesson <laughs> a bit weird, but there we go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, if you're going to do an origin story, the comic strip story, The Legacy of Unicron, does it much better. Exactly, yes. Because then you really feel the stakes. I mean, The Legacy of Unicron as a comic strip story also throws everything in the kitchen sink at the story. You've got Unicron, you've got Death's Head, you've got time travel, you've got battles between mm. the Autobots and Decepticons and all sorts of, you've got sacrifice and everything else and things happening in different areas and yada, yada, yada. And basically the narrative stops so that Unicron can explain the origin of the Transformers to Death's Head before he kills him. Yeah. But that really carries you along in a way that I don't think these episodes do. I think they're just throwing so much at it that doesn't seem to be connected. Like we've gone to goo, we've got blown up and now we're going somewhere else. Um, It's all a bit, we went to Quintessa and that got blown up and now we're going somewhere else. And the Decepticons are attacking the Autobots and then they're joining the Quintessons to then attack the Autobots and then Galvatron stops them attacking the Autobots and then goes to the Quintessons who convince him to attack the Autobots. So we're just going back and forth with the same stuff over and over yeah. again. And it's it's but, not very satisfying. No. I, and it's odd because it's not written by somebody. It's not written by somebody who doesn't care. It's not written by somebody who's just trying to get them to have loads of punch-ups and explosions. It's written by somebody who's kind of making an effort but is also, and horrible thing to say, but it seems to be having some kind of brain thing going on where it's just ending up absolutely nonsensical. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not great. And it's such, and it's it's potentially great, and it's not great, and that's worse than just being crap. And you know, I mean, the, the part of the problem that we've got here if you look at it is that it was in episode one that blur and wheelie were charged with taking the transformation cog from cybertron to earth mm. just because metroplex couldn't transform it's now at the end of episode four and Trypticon, which is going to be the big reason why we need metroplex transforming has only just been introduced and blur and wheelie still haven't got past jupiter so that's yeah, it what what well, while you've just been trying to get down to the shops, this guy's gone and he's, you know, he's started up a business and he's built a city and his city turns into a giant robot and you haven't even got back from the shops yet. What the hell are you doing, you guys? Exactly. Exactly. So it is all a bit. It's hard to stay invested and it's ironic in some respects in that series three begins with a five part story that doesn't really have five parts worth of plot. It's got a lot of. <laughs> Mm. unnecessary back and forth and padding into it and then series four is a three-part story that really needed to be a five-part story because <sighs> it just rams so it... much going on in the rebirth that it's just yeah. absurd so it's all very it's it's all very i don't know it's, it's all very disappointing uh i i know the movie is 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 heavy going but uh this is uh, it's just it's just it's just quite painful um Anyway, but it might all be great. It might part five might save everything. So you know, part five might save up. everything. It might. Um, yeah, but I think I think the part of the problem is that the movie was so big and so epic that they've now decided mm. they need to be big and epic when they bring the series yeah. back, and it's just not quite measuring up. No. Nope. 
No, not quite there. Cool. Good. Ah, well, never mind. We shall return and see what part five has to offer for us. Yes. Oh, one more thing. I did know. I, you know, previously you've uh, sometimes uh, point out that things are quite bizarre, uh, and it has become your little catchphrase for for quite a few of these. But uh, I think it's it's more than more than needed for these episodes because it is just bizarre what is going on here. It's the bizarre meter has exploded at this point. Um, <laughs> it uh, it took a bit of a hit during Kremzik. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's going a bit. Whoa, this is this is just weird. And mm. yeah, it, and a load again, a load of characters that we don't get toys of or at all, or didn't get them in the shops in the UK, and we didn't even see series three in the UK. I think I don't think it was even shown. No. So for most UK Transformers fans, the legacy of Unicron is the definitive origin story. Screw this Quintesson <laughs> rubbish. Um, <laughs> well there we go well one day one day we might have a look at the comic strips again but there we are cool good well anyway um i, I enjoyed some of that so that's good <laughs> enjoyed some of it yeah there were some good bits yeah. in there yeah. um but yeah let's uh let's uh let's come back and see if part five makes for a satisfying conclusion um and what comes after who knows so who knows? But at this point, I think all that remains is to say thank you for listening to Robots in Your Eyes. I've been Jason Thompson, co-hosting once more with Steve Alexander. We will be back next week for some more awesome animated adventuring. But until then, their destruction is assured. Bring me, bring me their heads. <laughs> no, their destruction is assured. I told you. <laughs> uh, oh, that's fine then. Good. <laughs> Good night. That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at Robots in Eyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice. <laughs>